Go ahead and open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we've been going through Ephesians, uh, but I wanted to get in front of you guys um, the theme for the year again, which is seek Him. And so um, the next couple times I preach from Ephesians, I'm going to be talking about our, our year theme, seek Him. Remember back in the fall? Do you guys remember back in the fall? How many of you guys remember back in the fall? Short-term memory? <laughs> remember back in the fall, uh, we did this series, it was called Draw Near. Get alone, for God alone, and... Okay, some of you guys were there. Get alone, for God alone, and seek Him. And it was, uh, it was a great series, and we had like a 21-day prayer challenge. And then we, we went into the next series, which was Meeting Places. You guys remember that? Kind of went like, where do we meet with God? And how does it, and, and ended up with the church, right? But we did another 21 days of prayer. And um, we need to do more in prayer and fasting, right? We need to do more of that. And it, just come back next week, all right? We need to do more of that. And, uh, but today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach on seek Him in the Word. I think that we, you wouldn't even know about prayer if it wasn't for the Word. You wouldn't know about fasting if it wasn't for the Word. You wouldn't even know the names. Worthy are you, Right? Worthy of your name. You wouldn't even know the name of Jesus if it wasn't for the word. Just think about that. Think about the gift that you have in your hand as you turn to Ephesians 3. Think about the gift you have of this word. You wouldn't even know God apart from his word. It's amazing, right? That we have this special revelation called the word of God. And uh, So I want to read it for you. Seek him in the word, Ephesians 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Uh, just a little heads up on this. He's going to say, for this reason. And then look at verse 14. What does it say? What does verse 14 say? For this reason. So it's like the same phrase, right? It's interesting, right? Because like, here's what happens to preachers sometimes. Preachers will get off on something like, yeah, here you go, for this reason. And you go, go and they're like, hold on. And then you go in the ditch, right? And you go on this like parentheses and you, and you just wander around and you digress. Have you seen me do that? Colin, yes, you have seen me do that many times. This is what Paul's doing, right? Paul goes, whoa, well, hold on. I got to tell you more about what I just told you about. And he digresses, right? And then next week he's going to come back and he's going to say, for this reason, and then he's going to actually tag on the verb. <laughs> I, Paul, get on my knees, right? Um, so let me give you a little parenthesis this week. Uh, but it's not, uh, even though it's a parenthesis, it's not like weak. It's important. The Holy Spirit found it important for, to interrupt Paul's thought and to say, no, 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 not that, Paul, this. You got to say this. Let me pray before I read it. Father, we, we come to you excited to come to you. We have access and boldness with confidence. We come to you so frail, so feeble, so weak. And, um, and so even as I come, I come an empty vessel that I would pray you would fill up and pour out. And I pray that you'd pour it out in such a way that it would be powerful. Uh, with your energy, God, with your power, make the word of God come alive in the people of God. Make your word, Father, come alive by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Make it come alive in our heart, in my heart, in my life, in, in this church. 
Open our eyes, enlighten us, bring it to light, I pray. The gospel, the word, the church, all of these things that you've explained in your word, how precious are your promises. And we look to you for wisdom in this time. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Ephesians 3 Verse 1 says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming, there's the parentheses, you could put a bracket there at the start of verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy prophets or to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Yes! That gets me geeked up, right? Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That is astounding. Angels are watching us right now. Angels want to know what's going on right now. That's astounding. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. All right, let's start with this. Seek him in the word. The gospel is God's plan revealed in Scripture. Get your hands on a copy of the gospel, right? Get your hands on a copy of the good news. The gospel is God's plan revealed in Scripture. We can know it, right? It's right in our hands. So because of the Word of God, the grace of God, the Son of God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, because of the Word of God, that God wrote a book, Number one, I can perceive the gospel. I can perceive the gospel. All P's in the outline. I like to alliterate, okay? But if, if you're like, yeah, perceive, I don't know what that means. Understand. I can understand the gospel. Perceive is the word in the text, so I went with that. But I can understand the gospel. Do you see it here? For this reason, what's the reason? The reason is verse 22, verses 11 through 22, chapters 1 and 2, right? But 
you can break it all down. The reason is the Gentiles and the Jews are going to be one, one thing. It's called the church. That's crazy. Only God knew that from the foundation of the world. The angels didn't know it. Satan didn't know it. This was a huge curveball for everybody, even the Jews. They were like, what? We're the only ones. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles. I just got to say this, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. He was a prisoner in Rome. Could have called himself a prisoner of Caesar. Could have called himself a prisoner of Rome. Could have called himself a prisoner because of the Jews. They're the ones that threw him into prison. But what does he call himself? A prisoner for Christ. He's like, even in the suffering, even in the hardship, even in being in prison, even when my team doesn't win the Super Bowl, and I'm suffering, oh, this is so hard. Even then, God is working a glory, right? He's working something behind the scenes that you just can't grasp. So suffer well. I think that's a testament to Christianity. Suffer well for the glory of God. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, he has, he is assuming that the Ephesians have heard it. He's assuming that they have heard it. Now, we look at that and we're like, of course I've heard it. I got a Bible in my hand, I've read it, like, duh. <laughs> He's assuming that they've heard that he is supposed to tell them about God, about his grace, about Jesus Christ. About the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he's the apostle to the Gentiles. You'll see it in a second. I'm going to have you turn. How the mystery, see it in verse 3? How the mystery, this isn't like something that's eerie or you know, hard to understand. It's not like, oh, I don't get it. It's the mystery as in it was hidden. It's the sacred secret. God decided we were going to be a church. And then he was like, and I'm not going to tell anybody until it's time. And then everybody's going to know. That's the mystery. So we go, it's not really a mystery to us. I know the word. I've read it. Like the church. Duh, I'm here in the church. But again, he's writing to an infantile uh, beginning church in the beginning times of the church. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Uh, he wrote that in chapter 1, verses 9 and, and 10. He wrote that in chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Uh, these are things that God taught me, and they're out there. As I've briefly written. Now this is the key, verse 4. When you read this, say it again. When you read this, when you read this, right here, when you read the word, when you read this, you can perceive. You can understand. You can get it. You can hear it. You can see it. You can feel it. 
When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, wasn't made known in the Old Testament, as it has now been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets in the, by my Holy Spirit. All right, now, Revelation. I wasn't there, but somehow Paul heard from God these truths that we're studying today, and he wrote them down. And that's why we have the Word of God. The Word of God is called the special revelation. Creation would be called the general revelation of God. Okay, So everybody has creation. You could see God in creation. But we are of all people most blessed because we have God's handwritten love letter, special Word of God, revelation, right? But it came through Paul. The Holy Spirit moved Paul along to write this. Paul's a special guy. He's the apostle of the Gentiles. And through this word, I can perceive the gospel. So, think about that. You and I have the opportunity to see the gospel, to hear the gospel, to interact with the gospel. We have an opportunity to get the good news. It's pretty cool. Is it good news? Again today? You're not growing tired of it? You don't grow weary of the gospel? The gospel changes lives. The word of God changes lives. It changed my life. Maybe it changed your life. But in order for you to see it, and in the context of Paul and him saying, yeah, I was given this by revelation. It was made known to me by revelation. Turn over to Acts chapter 9. Because in Acts chapter 9, you basically see, have you ever, have you ever seen somebody's life change? Have you ever seen somebody like, they're walking this way? You kind of know how the gospel happens, right? I've said this a million times in our church, I swear. It's like, I was walking this way, I'm too sexy for my shirt, okay? And then the boulder drops on you, and you like hit the pavement, and then you crawl out and you're like, help, and you're like, God helps you, and you, you repent of your sin, and you turn the other, and selfishness and pride, and you turn the other way, and, and it's like a radical change. It's like a 180. Have you ever seen that in somebody's life? Raise your hand if you've seen that in somebody's life. I hope you're raising your hand because you've seen it in your life, I hope, all right? Like, I mean, hopefully you've seen it in your life, but just exhibit A, like always Paul. <laughs> Paul, you're like, just go back to Paul. Like, look at Paul's life. So Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, see, even his name changed, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus' way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, I'm too sexy for my shirt, all the way to Damascus, boom, right? This is how it happens. This is how it happened in my life. This is exactly how it happens. Suddenly a light from heaven shone all around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Like, I wish God would say that to me. No, you don't. But I wish it was that clear. I think when I understood the gospel, it was that clear. It was like, this is for you, bro. You're a sinner. You need saving. Here's my grace. Choose faith. Accept the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, Paul this is, who are you, Lord? Like, give me a clue. I need, a, I need something. And Jesus said, it says, and he said, I am Jesus, well that's clear, isn't it? Whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and, and you will be told what you are to do. Well, that's pretty clear. Rise, enter the city, you'll be told what to do. Okay, I want to know what he's told to do, don't you? Okay, well, skip down. There's this thing with Ananias, and Ananias go back and forth, the Lord and Ananias, about like whether or not it's safe to go see Paul or Saul, but Ananias finally goes on account of, but the Lord said to him, verse 15, the Lord ends the argument with, but the Lord said to him, go. Okay, God, I'm going. <laughs> For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed, good obedience, entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He could see. For the first time in his life, he saw spiritually. He heard Jesus Christ on the road, and then now he's like, I can see it. And he regained his sight, not just physically, but spiritually, right? And he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. I'll stop there, but then he started preaching the gospel and making disciples, and it was just crazy. This guy went into town one way and came out of town a completely different way. Maybe it's me, but I perceive that he met God and the gospel. And, and through the word of God, you and I, we could perceive we can perceive the gospel. We can perceive the word of God. We can perceive that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We can understand it. Flip over to Ephesians 3 again. The word of God is so powerful, it's so important, because I can perceive the gospel. And that is the grace of God. It's the grace of God that opens my eyes. Has God been grace-filled uh, grace towards you this week? Has God done anything in your life 
to love on you this week? Now just think about it. Because the answer could be no. But it's probably not. Just think of the grace God's given you to live, to breathe, to walk, to be in the church, to have the Bible in your hands. Just think of all the grace that God has poured out on you with loved ones and friends, community, like Harvest. It's amazing. Go back to the question. Have you ever seen a life changed? Have you ever seen the 180 moment? Maybe it was you. Maybe that's the one you saw. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, I knew there was something different about this place, but I couldn't tell what it was. It just seems different to me. And I would say, I hope that you feel that way, and, and what you're perceiving is perceiving the gospel. That's what we're perceiving. There's, there's a gospel that's changed our heart, that's changed our life, and we're different because of it. Because of the word of God, we can perceive the gospel and it is changing our life. Let me just say this. You don't have to be a Jew. Good. You don't have to keep the law. Even better. This Bible, hold it up. This Bible is not a rule book. Whoever taught you that, whatever pastor told you that, shame on him. This is not a rule book to be followed. This is an owner's manual. God created you and he gave you a book. This is how you live. This is how you breathe. This is how you act. This is how you interact. This is how you love. It's an owner's manual. Everything that's created has an owner's manual. This is your owner's manual. This is how we operate. If you look at it that way, you'll go to it for wisdom daily. You'll go to it, you'll go to it, and you'll perceive things that are just amazing by the grace of God. Second, I partake of the gospel through the blood of Jesus Christ, right? I partake of the gospel. I partake of the gospel by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just one verse, verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Only one verse, here's why. That one verse is a summary of chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. He's like, he gets done with chapters 11, or chapter 2, verse 11 through 22, and he's like, gonna pray. <laughs> and you can almost see it. He's down on his knee, right? And he's like, hold on, one more thing. And then he says this parentheses, right? This parenthetical phrase from verses 2 to 13. And next week he's gonna get on his knees. We'll talk about that next week. And he gets to this point, verse 6, and he's like, just like I said in the verses 11 through 22, here's the mystery. You know what the mystery is? It's the church. Gentiles, Jews, together, one new man, one new body. 
It's amazing. You're like, how do you know this, Paul? Jesus told me. The Holy Spirit told me to write it down. And we, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of him, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a partaker, you're a participant. Not just a participant, you're a partner in ministry. You share with Christ. You share in the good, right? In the glory. It's amazing that God shares his glory with you. And you share in the sufferings. Oh, I didn't want to hear that part. You share. You're a partaker. You're a partner with Christ. This is the church. This is the mystery that Gentile believers are now united with Jewish believers in one new body. And this truth is a mystery in that it has never been revealed in the Old Testament. Satan didn't know this was coming. He knew the Messiah was going to be born of Bethlehem. He knew the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin. He knew, I mean, there's so many prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. Go, do, 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 you know. He knew all this stuff. And he couldn't stop it, right? But he didn't know the church was coming. He didn't know it because it was never revealed. God kept it hidden and secret. And now God's like, look at this, the church. And it's amazing what God is doing. The church is a sacred secret hidden in the ages, but now revealed in the New Testament by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. The church is amazing. You are in an amazing place right now. This is the church. It's a body of believers that love each other deeply. And it came for free. Like I didn't have to pay for it. I couldn't pay for it. There is no price on it. We weren't taking money at the door if you didn't notice. And the offering plate, when we, when we bags, old school, I guess. When we pass those, we're not, we're not like, oh, you should give us some money because you owe. It's none of that. We give freely. This is a free thing, church. And it's a powerful thing. It's free to us who believe in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. I want to show it to you from uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, this is Paul, another place where he says the same thing. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. It's on the screen. Which you received. I guess that's the question, isn't it? In order to be a partaker, you have to receive it. You have to embrace it. Christ, the blood of Christ. In which you stand, a partaker, right? Of the glory of God and the sufferings of Christ. And by which you are being saved, working it out with fear and trembling, sanctification all the way. If you hold fast to the, what? To the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. I pray that you're not believing in vain. I pray that it wasn't a one-time thing. You were like, oh yeah, I accepted Jesus one time when I was five and I haven't read the Bible since. I mean, that's not salvation. Whatever that is, that's not it. That's easy believism. 
But we need to rip the cover off the Bible and be a true partaker of this, right? Here's what he says. For I delivered to you of, as of first importance. What's the first importance? What I also received. Where do you receive it? On the road to Damascus. <laughs> right? We just read the story. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Who died? Jesus Christ died. In accordance with what? The scriptures. The Bible. This is the thing that lets you know that. And he was buried. And he was raised on the third day. Guess what? In accordance with the scriptures. Like this is what the Bible says. This is what we believe. This is what we partake in. It's the gospel. And because of that, I want to serve him. Because of the gospel, because I'm a partaker, now I want to serve him. And the word for that is another P. I can preach. I can preach the gospel. That's what ministers do. That's what this blood-bought followers of Jesus Christ do. They go proclaim the word. They go announce. They go tell people. They go share the good news with everybody they can. And you'll see it here. I can preach the gospel. Verse 7. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given It was given. Grace is given. Grace isn't something you earn. Grace is given. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working, that's energy, of his power, that's dynamite. I think the Holy Spirit might be around. Like this is energy and dynamite. This is the power of God in your life, my life. To me, this is just astounding. Though I am the least of all the saints... Do you believe that? Do you believe that Paul is the least of all the saints? He wrote 13, at least 13 out of 27 books of the New Testament. And he calls himself the least of all the saints? I, okay, we'll flip another verse up here. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, in between uh, verses 4 where I just left off and, and, and verses 8 where I'm going to pick up was just like Jesus appearing to a bunch of people. Cephas, and then he appeared to uh, 500 people, and then he appeared to James, his brother, and then he appeared to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, as in, I missed the boat, but Jesus caught me up. Maybe you're like that. Like, I've been going to church all my life. I thought it was a rule book. I thought I had to pay money. I thought I... Whatever they told you you had to do, no, 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 no. You come freely through the blood of Christ. He appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles. Now, I, I could get that. I am the least of the apostles. I, I'm okay with Paul saying that. You're the last one. You're kind of a dork. You missed the boat. Like, you know, what's going on? I'm the least of the apostles. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. But by God's grace right? By the grace of God, I am what I am. That is the most comforting statement in all of scripture to me. By God's grace, I am what I am. Because 
I'm the least of these. I'm the least of these. I'm the least of all preachers. I'm the least of all saints. I believe that. And his grace towards me was not in vain. Now back to our, our passage, right? What did he say here? He said, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. Really? Yeah, he really thinks that. He's, this isn't some kind of false humility. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So if you're here and he's like, when I pulled out the preach word, you were like, I can't do that. Like Paul's doing it and he's the least. So no matter if you're like a great communicator or not, you could preach the word. You can announce his coming. You could tell people about Jesus Christ. You can give people a Bible. You can read the Bible with people. You can quote scripture. You can preach. You can tell others about him. And you should because of the grace he's given you. It's astounding he keeps going, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, right? So I'm going to ask these guys to shut off the lights um, quickly. And uh, it says to bring to light, right? So you just, you're like, so fun. It's like this. Boom, right? To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. How do you know God created all things? Nobody was there. Because he wrote it down in a book, Genesis 1.1. How do you know there's a church? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is the church, and it's made known to us through the scriptures. All right, you can hit the lights. There's the church. There you are. That's it. It was like brought to light. That's what he's saying. It's like, whoa, there's a church. And it's powerful and it has a purpose. And its purpose is amazing. Matter of fact, its purpose was set forth at the beginning of all time. It was an eternal purpose. And here's what the purpose was. To bring to light the plan, the church, through Jesus Christ. So that angels could see the wisdom of God. Now a lot of people think the church, I've been talking about the gospel today. A lot of people think the church is about salvation. It's soteriology, right? It's, it's about salvation. We want to get people saved. That's true. But that's not the highest good. The highest good, our church, the mission of our church is to glorify God. Doxological, okay? To glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That is the purpose of the church. It's glory to God. And one of the ways that we bring glory to God is by manifesting his wisdom before the angels who can offer greater praise to him. Like, he looks at the church, the manifold, multifaceted, many-colored. Like, he looks at the church, and he's like, that's it. 
And the angels are looking at the church going, bam, God is good. Praise him. Um, I can't explain it any better than this. MacArthur said this, and this phrase is just like, oh. all right, let me read it for you. In the classroom of God's universe. Are you in the classroom? Are you in the universe? Everybody's in the classroom, right? All right, in the classroom of God's universe, but just wait for your part. God is the teacher, the angels are the students, and the church is the illustration. That's what we are. The church is the illustration, and the subject is the manifold wisdom of God. See, God is educating the angels all about his wisdom. And he's using us to show them. It's amazing. You have a huge part. So when you next week get up with a little sniffle on Sunday and you think, ah, I'll just stay home and I'll watch it online. You need to know that this is an eternal purpose. That us gathering together and showing the angels everything that God had planned in eternity past that's part of God's amazing plan for glory, for worship. We need to be here. We need to be the church. We need to be together. It's astounding what he's done. Keep going. The eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Now, you and I have the opportunity to know God's promises, God's plan, because we have God's word, because God's given us his spirit, the spirit of truth in the word. And we have the opportunity To know God, to love God, to serve God, to minister as Paul did for God. And when we do, it reveals power in the church. It reveals power. When you read the word and apply it to your life, you are bringing power in the church. The church, we have... Access, boldness, and confidence. Write those three words down. Access to the word by the grace of God. Boldness to ask for insight, wisdom, favor through the curtain, right? Through the flesh, through Jesus Christ, right? We can enter through the blood of Christ. Boldness to go and then confidence to believe that God is giving understanding. I have confidence that the Holy Spirit is going to give me understanding today. I have confidence that when I read the word, God is going to make it come alive. This Bible is so rich, so amazing. Have, have you ever gotten a present Christmas? Guys, it wasn't that long ago, right? It's like about a month ago. You ever get a present? Anybody? Okay, a few of you have gotten a present. If you haven't, let me know. I'd love to bless you. 
isn't it true, like, you know, I'm, I'm down on the, like, gift card thing. Like, you write a list of all the places you want gift cards from, and I just go buy you a $50 gift card. That's, that's crazy. That's lunacy. That is not Christmas. That is something else, right? That's like you shopping online or something, right? I'm all about going to the store, asking God, what do you think? Paying attention to my wife, you know, all right, I think she'd like this. And then buying that, wrapping it up, getting it under the tree. But then there's the moment, right? I don't know if she's going to like it. And there's a value in the gift, right? The gift is valuable to me, and I, I'm giving it to her. As a matter of fact, it's $130 valuable. Um, Brett and I bought the same gifts for our wives <laughs> this year. And, and, and here's the funny thing, right? We both gave the gift, and one of our wives, to be unnamed, was like, oh, that's awesome, I'm going to wear it all the time. And one of our wives was like, take it back. Not going to tell you who, right? But, but isn't it true, right? Like God gave us a gift. He gave us the word of God. But it's only valuable if you think it's valuable. Because if you're like, I don't really want it. It's not really for me. I can't really use it. It'll just make me uncomfortable anyway. then it's not valuable to us. Does that change the value? No, it's still valuable. The present still costs $130. It's still valuable. But maybe you don't feel like it is. I think it's valuable because it gives us access, boldness, and confidence to Jesus Christ or to God the Father through Jesus Christ. All right, this last thing, um, I just want to apply this, okay? So we have given you these fancy-dancy, oh, awesome, little colorful brochures that you can, like, fill out and read the Bible, and I just think this is so cool. But it's only as cool as if you use it, right? If you actually have a plan, and, I mean, it's not really about checking the boxes, but I did check off Exodus 35 today and felt pretty proud about it, actually. Truth in church, I had, to, I had to check off 34 and 35 because I was a day behind. So it's not really legalistic, right? But it's just a way to track your progress. It's just a way to get into it. And so I just encourage you to pick up these Bible reading plans and get into it. Okay, but here's the application. Um, buy a Bible. If you don't have one, buy one. I mean, we give them away every Sunday. You can take one of ours, save the money. But, but read the one you have, Right? Read the one you have. Like, I have 50 Bibles, I swear to you. And, and just, just crack one open and just read it. Interact with it. Pray. Ask God to reveal to you something. Here's the second thing. Obey what it says. Like, when you read it and you're like, oh, yeah, I should do that. I have access, boldness, and confidence. That's great. What do I do with that? Get on your knees and start praying. That's what Paul's going to do in a second. Because he has all those things. So apply it to your life. Obey it. And then this, uh, tell the world. Tell others your story. Tell others your story, your God story, and use scripture in it. I have my God story in the front of my Bible, and I just like to share it sometimes. And so uh, John 3.16 is in there. Romans 5.8 in there. Like, just verses will pop into my head. I'll use those. Like, use scripture. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then this last thing, 
and I think this might be, like, for most of you, the, the, the main thing. Buy a Bible for someone else. I mean, if this is all that, you know, if this is how you seek him, seek him in the word, if this is how you're going to seek him, then people need the word. So go to the store, buy a $20 Bible, and take it to them and say, hey, would you, would you I bought this for you, it's a present, like, it's not Christmas, but I love you, and here it is, and could we read it together once a week? You pick the place, I'll just show up, we'll read it together, it'll be a lot of fun. Buy a Bible for somebody, ask them to read it with you. This is life and breath. So these are all ways that you can apply the message, um, and then he says at the end here, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. It's kind of funny that he says that, isn't it? The parallel passage to this is Colossians 1.24 through 2.3, chapter 2, verse 3. You go read that. It's kind of cool. He says more things about the suffering there. Colossians 1.24 through chapter 2, verse 3. You can just go read that. It's really cool how they kind of go together. But I'll just say this. How is Paul suffering their glory? I just sat in my office and I was thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. If, sometimes if I go like this, I think better. And I was, oh, man, I don't get it. And then I had to just take it to personal, right? I had to be like, how does my suffering bring God glory? Suffering brings us back to something. What does it bring us back to? The cross. The cross is the ultimate picture of suffering in all of eternity. And Jesus died on a cross for us. I don't want to whimper and complain about my little suffering. Okay? And, and I'm not making little of, I mean, suffering, suffering. It's hard. I mean, man, when my back's out, like, dude, I could just wring somebody's neck. And sometimes I want that neck to be God. Like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Right? But, but hold up. What is the suffering really doing? It's a picture. It's a picture of the cross. And you know what? I think on this earth, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer. As Christians, we're going to suffer. We don't want to suffer for our sin. We want to suffer for the name of Christ. And I just wonder, like, what do you need to suffer for? Right? For the name of Christ. Maybe you need to suffer today by repenting of sin and, and accepting Christ, right? Just like die to yourself. Maybe you need to suffer by being baptized in a couple weeks when we do baptisms, right? It's like, hey, you know, I really don't want to do this. I, I'd rather not do this, but die to yourself. Live for Christ. That's what baptism is. It's dying to yourself and living for Christ. It's the picture. Maybe it's in prayer. Maybe it's in telling somebody about Christ. Uh, you know, you go, is it really suffering to read my Bible? No, it's not. But it might feel like it to you, so that's okay. You can suffer. Don't lose heart in that suffering. Make it, make it a habit. Get up in the morning, read the word. Because this is life and breath, and it'll change your life. And it'll cease to be suffering. <laughs> and it'll start to be a surrender and a submitting to him and a living it out and finding grace in it all. Let me pray. But as I do, I don't like leaving the church without something I'm going to do.
some kind of application, okay? So whether it's you're going to buy a Bible or you're going to read the Bible you have or you're going to buy a Bible for somebody else, you're going to share your God story with somebody, some kind of application. Maybe it's I need to suffer in baptism or whatever it may be. Here's how I want you to seal that commitment. While I'm praying, while Brent sings the closing song, I just want you to stand up. When you've got that action point, I just want you to stand up. That's you saying to God, I got it. That's it. I'm going to do this. And, uh, and then you got it sealed and you go, go on your week and you'll get after it, right? All right, let me pray for you. Father, I pray for this church that it'll be powerful. And whatever the application is from this message, whether it be to read the word or to share the word or to buy a Bible for someone or to take their next step in their spiritual journey, whatever it may be, I pray, Father, your will be done. We submit to you. We love you. We serve you. We're so grateful for your grace in giving us the word. We're so grateful for the Son, Jesus Christ, his blood covering us. We're so grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in his strength that we can even do this application that we choose. We can't do it in our own flesh. We can only do it in him. We now serve you, Lord, as ministers, as prisoners, just like Paul, constrained to serve you. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name.